The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. Matthew chapter 18. Now there's very few messages that I'm going to preach that are as important, as practical, as real as today. The next 30 minutes, I hope, by the grace of God, that God will come, number one, and explain this to you. Because I can't break through your darkness. I can't break through... Uh, you may be thinking about what's going to happen after the service or what's going on. You may be playing the video games. I don't know. Don't do it. I would appreciate it if you turn your ringer off your phone. That would just help me a lot. Uh, but whatever happens, this these few verses here, Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 17, are taught in every, every uh, Bible school that's teaching preachers to be preachers and uh, every every seminar that I've ever gone to that teaches preachers to be preachers, uh, this passage was talked about. You just can't get away from this passage. This maybe is the clearest place of all the Bible in how believers are to resolve their conflicts one with another. And amazingly, it involves and it shows the importance and the place of the local church. I met Christians who didn't believe the importance or place of a local church. They said they were saved, knew Christ as their Savior. They were convincing in their testimony. But they said, we don't go to church anymore, anywhere, because we just don't believe in that. Well, the sad part about that is Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was talking about local bodies of believers. Why I know that is because 1 Timothy and Titus give specific provision for the leadership of those groups and the qualification for pastors, the qualification for deacons. It was on the mind of God that this was his method for reaching the lost. People that don't have an association or depth in a local church, rarely do they support missionaries. The great and vast missionary support that comes out of the, of, of the, of the local church would not ever have happened had it not been for born-again believers willing to function under the auspices of a biblical local church. Now you may not like the people in the local church, and that's why there's this passage. And you're never going to find a perfect local church, because if you did find a perfect local church and you came in, you would spoil it. And um, we, we just are a bunch of old junkyard dogs, sinners saved by grace, uh, pulled out of the old miry clay. Our feet have been set upon a, a solid rock, and now we know Christ's our Savior, and we are in a period of growth. The, the local church is a hospital with a bunch of sick folks that want to be well. It is not a museum of perfect people that come together and show off on how, how they've mastered the Christian life. Because you have not mastered the Christian life. 
And you will not master the Christian life until Christ takes you home and you get rid of the old nature. And so this passage, I just can't tell you enough. Mark this in your Bible. Put this in your head. Listen to what's being said here today, which has been cooked over for, oh, some 40 years. I have never, as far as I know in my records, ever preached on this passage. But I used it all the, I've used it all the time. And so let's read it. Moreover, and there's if there. I like the if because it's conditional if these things happen. But let me, I'll go on a little bit further and say they will happen. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, uh, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. The second possibility is if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, then in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church, that's the local church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The authority of the local church is serious. There is a coward within each of us that will resist the teaching of Jesus Christ, because these are his words, of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit today. Some people seem more susceptible than others, but all suffer from having a coward within you. There's no way possible that you're going to make it through this life around people without someone sinning against you, hurting you in some way, insulting you in some way, damaging you in some way, cheating you in some way, you are not going to make it through life without that happening. And it's going to happen multiple times. Our ways of settling these kinds of disputes are oftentimes more damaging than just doing what Jesus says. Just doing what the Bible says. This is as clear as it can be on a three-step process. Hopefully, you never get past step one. That settles it. But if you don't get past step one, go to step two. If step two don't work, you have to go to step three. But you can't just ignore it, and you definitely don't it, sweep it under the carpet because it won't go away. It's inevitable that it happens. As the pastor of the church, it's happened to me many, many, many times. As a member of a church, it's happened to me many, many times. Verse 1, let's take step 1 here in verse, verse 15, not verse 1. If thy brother shall trespass against thee. Notice that's not you trespassing against him. It deals with, with him trespassing against you. Normally, if you trespass against somebody, you'll get convicted under the Holy Spirit, hopefully. And you'll eventually want to go to that person, get right with that person. If, if, if you're a spiritual person, you're not going to be able to sleep too well. You're not going to have a clear conscience. You're going to find if that doesn't work, if God's initial bumping you doesn't work, uh, he'll, he'll up the ante of that whole thing, and, and, and you'll start maybe having other things happen to you, which we're going to read about out of Hebrews chapter 12. So if, if we have sinned against somebody else, there's a provision for that in Hebrews chapter 12, and God will take care of you. 
But this is about someone sinning against you. Well, that's kind of strange. Someone sinning against you here that, that, that he would ask you to do this. There's someone sinning against you, um, and it's mentioned again in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. He says that if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and thou rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, he sinned against you. Leave therefore thy gift at the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. In essence, Jesus is saying, be reconciled to everybody around you. As much as lieth within you, be reconciled to people around you. As I tell you to. The key here is the Holy Spirit brings this to your mind and you act upon it. The longer you wait, the stronger the coward within you will uh, mount up against getting right in these areas. I've known people that um, out, there's a place in the Bible we're supposed to, and at the end of this verse, as you know, there's, there's, a, there's a potential here of treating something as a, somebody as a publican and heathen. That means you don't talk with them, you don't have any fellowship with them, and I'll go into that in a moment. That, that, that's for sure, but I, if somebody is willing to get... To get right with you, you need to get right. As much as lies within you, live peaceably among all men. Now that's what a Christian should do. And there's this old coward with us, don't want to do it. And so when this happens, not really if it happens, someone sins against you, what are you going to do? Well, here's what people do. When someone sins against them, they call everybody they know and tell them about it. That's one of the first things they do. The second thing they do is they post it on Facebook. Can you believe what Peaches said about me? Or can you believe what Tom did when I was on a motorcycle trip with him? Or something like that. No, when Tom and I go on a motorcycle trip together, we offend each other on a regular basis. Amen. But what we do is we get right with each other on this verse 15, and you don't know about it, unless I say from the pulpit. But I mean, we have had all kinds of conflicts. We've even yelled at each other and stuff crazy, or maybe I've yelled at him. Maybe that's the way it went. But we've had crazy stuff happen. You vacation with somebody, it's not easy. What's this what's verse 15 say? Keep it to yourself and the person that sinned against you. Oh man, I can't tell you how it damages it when you put it on Facebook. Or you Twitter it. Or, or, or you do a nasty email. Or, or, or here's a good one. When people sin, when have somebody sin against them, the first thing you do, instead of going to the person saying, you know, why did this happen? Is there any, by the way, and I'll talk to you about the, the language in the Greek there is to go with a spirit of gentleness. The language in the Greek there is not to go there with a harshness. You no good bottom feeder. I can't believe you hurt me. That's not going to help. But the language in the Greek is, is an exhortation, it is an imploring type of a spirit. Let's get right about this thing. Let's not stay this way with each other. You know, we don't want to continue on in this realm. Nobody else knows about it but you or him, or if it's happened among a few people, maybe that little group. But you keep it 
contained. But no, that's not what people do. The coward within people, the, I found this in life. The last thing, and, and preacher, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The last thing people want to do is go one-to-one -one with somebody that's offended them. It's the last. On this, it's the first. They want to go to the preacher. Hey, I'll go to the preacher, and I'll explain the whole thing to the preacher. The Bible says to keep it between you and them doesn't even include the preacher being brought into it. The preacher is not to be brought into it. You're supposed to get it one-to-one. -one. And if you can do that, you've gained your brother. You've gained him. And so if you go to the preacher, and I know a lot of you chicken lilies, you come to me because you want me to do your dirty work. I know exactly where you're going. You say, well, the preacher, he's, he's bombastic, and he's uh, impetuous, and he's bold, and he don't mind confronting hard situations. Wrong. Wrong. And I can't go for you. It doesn't work. And so what? when you come to me, and I have people come to me all the time, say, preacher, blah, blah, blah. I'll say, you got to go to them. You need to go to them and get it right. I, I don't know. What if they say this or what if they say that? Look, you can just, some of this stuff you just trust God for, amen? Let the chips fall where they may. You do what's right. Let the chips fall where they may. So you go to the preacher and you tell him, and it don't work. If a preacher, I always tell him, I go to this passage and I say, let's read this and let's, let's do this. I won't do it for him. And so that person will go and confront this person. By the way, um, that's the first step that Jesus said to do. Tell him his fault. That's what it says. Go to him alone and tell him his fault. Again, not in an accusative manner, not in a mean spirit, because that'll just pick up another mean spirit and it'll, it'll generate to a big argument, maybe get worse. He suggests a gentle language, an exhortation, a, a, a language like found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, where it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, Ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Trust me when I tell you this, we have had that here at the gospel. And always our end game is restoration. The end game of restoration, and what's rest, to restore means to mend something that has been broken. It is, to, is what Smitty does every day. It's fix stuff. Try to fix it by the grace of God. Uh, I have a golf cart. Brother Smitty comes over to my house once in a while, and things break on it. He comes over to my, uh, my house and restores my golf cart to a workable condition. Isn't that wonderful? That's what we're supposed to do by this first verse. We go to those folks who have sinned against us with, a, with the idea that somehow this process, trusting the Holy Spirit, by the way, to work, this is a supernatural thing, and you ask God, is it possible by, the great, by your grace to restore this brother as a friend or as a, as a comrade in arms in a local church, which is oftentimes where this stuff takes place. So that's our idea. The, the, it's the spirit of meekness. That word meekness simply means uh, it's a sense of transparency, a sense of humility. The question I ask you is, and you may ask yourself on this verse 15 is, why would we do this? Why don't I just chalk him off, put him on the list, and you do 
have a list. Everybody gets a list. Carnal people get lists. Unsaved people have all kinds of lists. They got their black lists. They got their 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 yellow lists and their green lists. You know, they got the varying space. But um, I hope wives. I hope you don't have a list. I hope Sharon, you don't have a list on a wonderful man like this who would never sin against you. I hope that a woman, but oftentimes if you ask a woman, name me ten things your husband's done against you, and she can go, and she don't even blink her eye in the meantime. I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. You need to practice this 1815 because you shouldn't have a list. You say, well, I can't forget it. Okay, I agree with that. It's hard to forget stuff when things have been done against you. But by the grace of God, you can ask God to forget or at least make the list fuzzy. Oh, I'm sorry. I, that bad thing you did in 1954, I'm... Here's what it says. Here's why we do this. For if, Matthew 6, 14, 15, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, if there is no more motivation than that alone, and I'm, I'm going to read some other, but this motivation is powerful. Do you need your sins forgiven? Do you need to be reconciled to God? Do you need to be in fellowship with God? That's the motivation. Uh, it says in Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, And when you stand praying, forgive. For if ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. And that's a repetition. In Colossians, however, in chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Forbearing one another, that's putting up with one another. Forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, and there will be, even as Christ forgave you, also do ye. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, a more popular, maybe well more known scripture. It says to be kind one another, tender-hearted, doing what? Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now look at that. How should I forgive? Why should I forgive? What motivates me to forgive? Well, first of all, Jesus said to do it if I want to have my sins forgiven, and more than anything, God, how many sins has God forgiven you? How much has he really wiped off by the blood of Christ that you had on your plate? How many times have you lied? How many times have you stolen? How many times have you lusted? How many times have you dishonored mom and dad? How many times have you done wrong to other folks? How many times? And God says, wipe that out by the blood of the Lamb. and washes you clean from all your sins. I'm going to tell you, born again people should be one of the most grateful group of, should be one of the most grateful group of folks there is. Our gratitude ought to be just oozing out of us. But it isn't. Oftentimes, we are a critical group. We are a tough group. We are a, a, an exacting group. Let me tell you, you don't have any room to be too exacting other than what God wants us to do and hold the truth. Because I'll tell you, God's mercy has been demonstrated on you and me. And it would just make common sense that in like manner, we would also share that same spirit with those around us. It makes sense to you. 
But what if you go to this person who's trespassed against thee or hurt thee or whatever you want to call it, and uh, you, they, you you confront them in a, in a biblical, gentle way. You pray about it. You ask the Holy Spirit. Uh, they've sinned against you, but they do not receive it. Then you go to the preacher. Amen. You come to the preacher at step two. Let's, let's read it. Step two. But if he will not hear thee, then take thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Now it doesn't say the preacher then. But I would, you would be wise to go to someone who has spiritual maturity. You would be wise to go to someone who has some experience and some training and some background and some biblical knowledge and walks with God. Hopefully, by the grace of God, that could be your preacher. It could be the chairman of the board. It could be one of the men of the church. It could be someone else. That absolutely could be true. But then you go to the preacher. You go to someone who's mature. But where do we go? We go to our buddies, our Facebook buddies. And we say, what do you think? I mean, can you believe I went to so-and-so and asked them if we could get right with each other on this, and they refused me after they were the ones who hurt me? And all your Facebook buddies Line up under there and go, you're right, man, I can't believe you do this. And they agree, they agree, they agree, they agree. You know what I hate about Facebook? I'm on Facebook. I use Facebook as a tool. But you know what I hate about it? It's when I see somebody state something that is absolutely unbiblical and wrong and have all their peers tell them they were right. And they just line up under them and just tell them, oh, yeah, I'd do the same thing. And that is, it's the, it's, it's the same thing as dumb and dumber. It's the stupid reinforcing the idiot who reinforces the fool. Don't go to your peers. And don't go to people you know are going to agree with you or going to take up your offense or your side of it. Go to someone who's spiritually mature, somebody who has uh, nothing to gain or lose they have no what they call vested interest in the process other than they would like to see you two reconcile one to the other. That would be the only interest that they would have. That would make sense to me. You wouldn't go to a spiritual novice in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 there. It says, ye that are spiritual. You that are spiritual, meaning you walk with God. People will not respond if you go in the flesh. The idea of the second step really is confirmation. And if I may say, intimidation. Hopefully with the result of restoration. Are you with me? So you go by yourself. Somebody's offended you. They say, we don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk to you. I'm not part of the deal. You just say, please listen to me. No, I'm not going to do it. Okay, you, you've done the first step. You tried to make reconciliation with your brother alone. You haven't said anybody. I haven't got on Facebook, Twitter, everyone, all your peers, told everybody else. All right, then you go to the preacher and say, Preacher, I got this problem. This has happened. What should we do? Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 16 tells me to come and to go to the person now with some. And the preacher says, Okay, uh, let, let, let's you and I, and then one other maybe person. Sometimes in the past, we've taken another deacon, we've taken another spiritual man, and the three of us then call a meeting, 
to, with that fourth person, that, that other party, and then they meet together in a room. And we say, okay, what's happened here? We, I've just, I just did this a month ago. And, and, and what happened here? What happened here? We get the facts. We kind of, okay, you ever, you ever counsel the marriage? The wife will say this, the husband will say this, and the twain do not meet. I'm going to tell you, her side of it, he's, by the time she's done with him, he's the worst guy I've ever known. By the time he gets done with her, she's the worst woman you ever met. I mean, it's amazing how two people living in the same house can have radically different views. That's because this has not been practiced. By the way, could this apply to your mate? Oh, people always like to apply this to somebody else, but who's going to sin against you more than your husband? Who's going to sin against you more than your wife? I think the closer you live, the more susceptible you are to offending each other. What do you say? And God's children sin. Say something, this thing gets longer. I mean, tell you, no, this starts right at home, amen? This starts right here. When you married people have trouble with one of your mates, don't go to Facebook. Don't go to Twitter. Don't go to your peers. Don't get on the phone. Years ago, it was the phone we always talked about. Don't get on the phone to 20 other women. Now they just go to the computer. It goes all over the world. Don't do it. Then the preacher or that other person or whoever those people are, they go there to a point. It's it's more impactive, yes, yes. It's, it's somewhat intimidating, possibly, yes. But ultimately for the goal of restoration, ultimately to get these two things settled, it's more powerful that way. The idea here, of course, is forgiveness. Of course, it's still restoration. It's imperative. But what if that doesn't work? First step two, he goes, hey, look, I ain't going to meet with you guys. I'm not talking about this. It's so I'm not going to say, no, I don't agree, you know, so I'm not going to do it. Go step three. What happens if that person refuses and denies the problem in the face of these three people coming out, wanting to come over and wanting to meet with him? Then you go to verse 17. Look at it. And if he shall neglect to hear them, that's the three or two went over there, tell it under the church. Inform the church. The preacher will inform the church of the, of the, of the situation in detail. The church will ask the person to admit their guilt and repent. If that person neglects to hear the church, what is the next step? You read it. You can see it. Rejection. Dismemberment. I just kind of like that. Dismemberment. Isolation. You read it. That's what it says. The heathen and the Republican in the Jewish uh, uh, sense of the word would be total rejection, isolation. Not to talk, not to eat with, not to be around. Maybe when you pass him the street, you say hi, but that would be it. Isolation, no. What this means clearly in verse 17 is no fellowship. No fellowship. Now, I see this violated locally in the local church over and over and over again. We go through these three steps. It eventually comes to the local church. The local church says he don't respond to the local, or she don't respond to the local church's uh, uh, suggestions. So eventually we say, okay, they can't be a member here at Gospel anymore. I'm sorry, but you aren't responding to what God's said to do through these people, and you're not going to respond to it. You must leave. And what happens? The person that is in violation and in rebellion against the Word of God calls all their Facebook buddies, calls all their buddies here, calls all, and, and let's go out to eat and act like nothing's ever happened. Okay, I'm not part of that church, but who cares? Brother, when my local church says something, I'm going to do what they want me to do. 
When, when my pastor goes through the right steps and the biblical steps to do the right thing, I'm backing him up. I'm no fool. And brother, if God gives you a, gives you the, the uh, local church and the authority of the people who love God and they do the right thing, I'm going to back them up. I'm sticking with them. No phone conversations, sympathy, social get-togethers. You say, why the church cold shoulder, Brother Bill? Why would God ever tell the local church to treat them as a publican and a heathen? I'll tell you why. So that they would be ashamed of their behavior. So that they're being cut off from all their friends and acquaintances and social buddies would shock them to believe that maybe they've messed up. You get it? And so by the grace of God, they would get right. There would be consequences. That they wouldn't be able to just go down to the next church and be okay. Let me just tell you, among independent fundamental Baptists, when people leave here to go somewhere else, those old boys call me and say, did he leave or she leave the church in a good spirit? If not, they won't accept them either. Now you say there's other places to go. Sure there are. All kinds of them. But not among people of like precious faith. Restore them because if by the grace of God, when they realize that they're rejected and they realize they've done wrong and they really they harden their heart, they get right with God. They come back to the preacher and say, Preacher, you're right. You know, we need to talk about this and we need to get together. So then you get together with these two people, with the two or three witnesses, and you try to, by the grace of God, resolve it. And it does resolve in many cases. The question is. Will you practice what God says? That's what the question is today. The, the instruction is clear, isn't it? Look in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6 through 11. Let me read you a page. If you haven't read this, or if you haven't read it often, or if you haven't read it uh, recently, it's a powerful passage of God's love for you and for me. He said, for whom the Lord loveth, because the whole thing's based on love. You parents in here this morning that spank your children, prove to them you love them. And every parent said, hey, man. you parents that will do what the Bible commands you to do in discipline your children and show them wrong is wrong and there are consequences for wrong, even to the place of spanking, love your children and you prove it by what you do. Now let me tell you, I've been a parent. It's not fun most of the time to spank your children. There was a few cases where we were all in the flesh. But for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now, Jesus was scourged. Hello? That ain't just a little patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. Now, I spanked you. Take my hand. At school here years ago, we had parents come and spank their children. It was, an, it was a shame. It was just a shame to see some of those spankings. The parent was apologizing so much before the spanking, I wanted to spank the parent. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know now, just because I do this doesn't mean I love I don't love you. I love you. Oh, and the kid was like, Pfft. And then she'd, she'd I go, oh. Well, 
Look at the passage. The Lord loveth you, chasteneth, scourge every son receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God. Now, what's that mean if you endure it? That means you take it with the right attitude. You take it with the right attitude. My oh, my daddy, Marine Corps daddy, he he puts me, he he done whipped me sometimes. But I took it with the right attitude. I always knew he was doing it for my good because I always knew I got away with things he didn't know about. And I always knew that I was getting less than I deserved. God deal with you as with sons, for what a son what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then look at the language here, then are ye bastards and not sons. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Furthermore, we have had our fathers of our flesh which corrected us. And we gave them reverence. Of course we did. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, that's our parents, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, that is God, he chastens us for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, just in case you think chastening is fun, now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I didn't. I know when my dad said, "Son, get over the hassock. You're getting a spanking." I wasn't laughing, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, and this is the beauty of it: it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. I stand before you this morning because my mom and dad were willing to spank me. Seriously. It yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness. But let me tell you, while it was going on, it didn't seem peaceable and didn't seem like it was too good a fruit. My, my dad would take his belt off. I'll never forget. It, it was almost in slow motion. He could unhook that thing and... And I mean, he would double that thing over and he welted me and let me tell you, I thank God for every well. Because had he not done that, I probably would have ended up in jail somewhere, ended up on drugs somewhere, ended up on the street somewhere, and God would have not been able to help me and preserve me, and I would not have understood a higher authority, which was God's authority, that he would also chase, chastise me when I needed it, and even to the place of scourging me if I needed it. Why? So that I would realize that wrong is wrong and right is right. And I would not get confused with those two items. Now if this morning you choose to whitewash this and whitewash Jesus' plans of reconciliation, you can do as you like. But you will not receive the reward. And if you're here this morning and you decide to do the right thing and obey the Bible and do what Matthew chapter 18 verse 15 through 17 says to do, I mean, as best as you know to do it, right? Yeah. Best as you know to do it. In, in honor of God and His will, then God says there's going to be a reward for that. And you're going to gain your brother sometimes. Sometimes you're going to have to treat him like a publican and a heathen, which I am in the midst of 
my, with my own physical brother. And let me tell you, it's not easy. But you know what? Let God be true and every man a liar. God's way, I believe, is the best way. And I'm going to do it God's way, even if it hurts me to do it, if it's painful for me to do it, I'm going to do it God's way. And we're going to see what God does in the end. And in the end, it's going to shake itself all out. We'll see who's right. And I just believe by the grace of God, God's right. And we do the right thing. Father, help us today to make reconciliation according to thy word, according to its instruction, according to its clear laid out plan. We know people are going to sin against us. We know in a lifetime there will be literally probably 100 people sin against you. That may be a minimum. Father, we ask you that you just help us to obey your word, even when we do not really have our, maybe not even in our flesh like it. We may not in our flesh want to do it. We may not in our flesh see its profit. But we just believe the word of God over our feelings. We believe the word of God over our intuition. We believe the word of God over our neighbor's advice, over our parents' advice. We just believe the word of God. We're going to obey you. Help us, O oh Father. Help us to kill that old coward within us that wants to try to somehow change it, make it different. Lord Jesus, may there be some here this morning. They've come. They're seeking for truth. They've not found peace in their life. All, all I can tell you is Jesus Christ is the, is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. Maybe today you've come and you say, Brother Bill, my sins are heavy upon me. My way of life has almost destroyed me, and I, I, there's got to be something better. That was the thought my dad had before he got saved. You've come to the right place. In a moment, we'll sing. Why don't you respond? Come on down. Let us talk to you about Jesus. We're in the privacy of a room in the back here. Take the Bible and show you the gospel. Mostly this message this morning was for Christians. We pray, Christian, if you're in the midst of one of these things, that you would do the right thing. That you'd say, I, I don't feel like it. It's not comfortable, but I'm going to do the right thing. And God help us. We love you and thank you for your instructions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.